0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Seasonal Tokens Podcast, where Polar interviews people so you can do more investing and less gambling. Hello, everyone. It is Polar here, the CMO of Seasonal Tokens. Welcome on another episode of the Seasonal Tokens Podcast. And today we have another special guest. We have Mr. Key. He's a... Chairman and co-founder of Key Difference Media, the the biggest and largest ICO incubator. And he's also the co-founder of Forward Protocol, which provides blockchain toolkits that connect the value-driven economy. So welcome, Mr. Key. Hey, I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Thank you very much for accepting my invitation. There are a lot of great things that we are going to talk about today. And um, I think that you have an amazing story that you can share with with our listeners. But let's start with with the first question, which is like, can you introduce yourself and your background with a few words?
1: Sure, thanks so i entered blockchain space in 2013 nine years ago and have uh, seen all the different trends in the space i got in because many of our clients back in those days wanted to enter and use bitcoin for their payments and start integrating blockchain for their different business needs and that opened my eyes to this whole new potential and uh, it was a beautiful time my businesses were building with uh, a great uh, revenue model and self sustaining etc and uh, fast forward from there in in 2017, our company Key Difference Media helped launch over hundreds of projects, raised over $550 million for them, and uh, we continued expanding, running marketing campaigns for entities like uh, Ledger, Nexo, Bitco, Etero, and so on. I've been uh, leading multiple media companies and incubating them, et cetera. Uh, We uh, started Forward Protocol because we saw there was a big gap in the market. All these companies were developing something amazing, but they were not able to bring adoption and users. So Forward came to life to make sure that a common man can also use uh, blockchain and use it for their businesses without having to be a developer. So being in the space uh, for this while, a lot of lessons have been learned and uh, a lot of experience has been gained, which I'm very happy to share with the members of community today.
0: Perfect, perfect. Yeah, uh, it's really great to, to have one of the oldest uh, Bitcoin investors on, on our podcast, if I can name it like that. In your bio you are mentioning something very interesting, which is that you have started your entrepreneurship journey at at 14. So can you share more about that?
1: Sure thing. So I was in my 10th grade and I was not keen on uh, what I was learning there. I felt it was limiting and uh, it it was not stimulating enough. I had a curiosity, curiosity to explore so many things. So from my seventh grade, I've been learning programming because from the time I got computer, I want to know how it works, what's behind it, how something functions. And with all that, interest and the learning that I had, progress. At the age of 14, I quit my education. Even though I got a scholarship for my higher education, I decided to pursue business. I decided to start something on my own. From that point, I've been developing websites and uh, many more. And that was the first entry point for me in in the world of business. But Right after that, I soon realized that apart from developing those things, my real passion was in the way I could speak about it, where the way I could convey the message, market it, the narrative, the story, and getting uh, people from across the world interested in uh, what is there. And that's when I realized the potential with uh, marketing and Key Difference Media was born. And it's 16 years old right now. And that started everything
0: from... Uh, zero to the empire that we have built over these years. Very nice. And your parents have been okay with with your decision? Uh,
1: they were actually supportive. Yes. Uh, initially, uh, they I mean because the first time, and I didn't like education. There's there's nothing that someone can force. So they were open to it because they have seen who I am and what I have done in the past. Uh, and uh, I, the space was needed there to explore to try something. So they did give that uh, space. A freedom to play around of course the society doesn't like it people around do not like it uh, but my parents were uh, supportive to protect and uh, ensure that uh, the interest or uh, the vision that a 14 year boy had shouldn't be thrown out of the window without even checking it out
0: Wow! Well, uh, I think that uh, a lot of uh, people will be jealous of what you are saying uh, I think that um, these days like um, it's more and more important for um, parents, the, their kids to, to finish his or her education and after that to to start chasing, chasing his or her career. So I'm really happy for you that you have had such uh, supportive parents. I'm very happy as well for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, otherwise maybe we wouldn't have met today. It sounds like everything has started really well for you and then you have jumped into web3 but what has actually made you to to move to mainly web3 is it only the the clients that have switched from web2 to web3 that
1: was the initiation point because they moved and uh, as a content marketer i had to understand and speak about it so it was inevitable for me to get there but the moment i got there something changed i was looking at a world And I was looking at a possibility which was so in line with how I saw things work. I quit education because I didn't like the way they forced things which was not of interest or things that I believe was wrong or things that were outdated. I was, uh, when I started my business at the age of 14, I couldn't set up a company because government said that a guy who 14 years old cannot run his own company. I couldn't open a bank account. I couldn't do anything. So having seen the challenges that comes from centralized entities, from societies around Around us, from people who are judgmental in every way, looking at all of that, I, I always preferred for something to be the way what blockchain represents, the decentralized nature of where anybody can be on the equal level playing field, where anybody can gain the same opportunity that the other could and progress with their visions. It's a matter of skill, it's a matter of a passion, talent that a person has, and it shouldn't be bottled up because some entity believes otherwise. That choice has to always be in the hands of uh, the user or the person. And uh, when I looked at what Bitcoin was doing there and how the uh, blockchain as uh, an infrastructure could work. Of course, in those days, it was not big. You, you, I don't think anybody ever saw the full scope of what it could land into today, uh, but we could still see the seeds of possibilities. And that was inspiring. And we wanted to be part of that. I wanted to uh, support that. And it made perfect sense. And from a marketing standpoint, uh, that was a very small industry. There were no competition and being the one of the earliest, it made a lot more sense for us to establish ourselves strongly in that tight niche sector and uh, grow in it. And that's what it did.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, you you definitely sound like a, a very passionate um, person that is in the, in the Web3 space. And uh, I totally agree with you when you were saying that um, crypto is giving everyone the opportunity to to do whatever they want without a lot of the the limitations that Web2 is uh, is giving and also not only Web2, but the the whole life, the the whole society, like you just said. And you have started in 2013 and now it is 2022. So what do you think about the the current space of, of crypto?
1: It's a a very good question because when we started out between 2013 to 2017, every company that was existing, uh, when I say every, let's say, 98 or 95% of the companies that were existing, they all were revenue generating, they were revenue positive because an existing business who used Bitcoin as a business for uh, testing blockchain because they were keen at seeing what they could do there. But in any instances, the companies were mostly self-funded. They were not using investors' money to run. There were payment processors and businesses which were actually having profitability coming from there. And uh, that was beautiful to see because that was real business, but 20 SEO and everything else that followed, uh, things changed. People saw that it was an easy access to money, and it became a speculative game. Of course, people were speculating with Bitcoin even back in those days, but they were only speculating with one Bitcoin and probably a couple more. But uh, at this point in 2017, everything focused on just money. Uh, you raise money, you uh, go ahead and uh, trade it, play with it, but they completely forgot the form. Of it. Uh, they didn't even have the concept of having a utility much later on. And that was a major challenge. The uh, as, as any new industry grows, when there's an influx of money, mis- mistakes happen. But those mistakes were not properly fixed. In uh, After 2018 and 19, uh, when the uh, next bull run came, uh, people went ahead with one small improvement, like cut. But they didn't fix the whole problem. They fixed a small uh, the, the way it something appears. They just said now you have staking as a utility and nothing more. And they didn't improvise the quality. They didn't bring in business models. They didn't bring in uh, a, a proper structure that is required for something to work. And when I say proper structure, I don't mean regulation. Well, you know that it. Are One, whether regulation is good or bad, it has its pros and cons. Uh, I believe that business structure is more important. Uh, If you're creating something and you don't have a possibility of getting clients, you don't have a possibility of making revenue out of it, you don't have a a structure to grow it as a protocol or company or team, then the point of just creating something and raising money and partying with it. So right now, the state of uh, crypto... In one way, it is extremely bad uh, because most of the members who have been in the space for long, they are no longer keen at what's happening here with the monkey pictures and uh, uh, the pure speculation, low-quality creation of assets by various other uh, even larger companies because when when big brands are coming in, they are creating again useless uh, picture-based NFTs, not really a Product that is connected to their line of business. And all of that is very sad. But what has been happening in the last one week, I believe, is actually having a positive effect for one specific reason. People are seeing that there is a great problem with centralization, even with regulation in place. People are able to notice that non custodianship, the decentralization, is the way to go because those platforms actually can live. Those platforms are able to manage and sustain the, the owners, the responsibility of maintaining their asset lies with the user. And that is a beautiful example that we've shown in the recent days. And uh, I think that shift is good, but when the result of the shift will appear is going to be probably another two years from now. So we need to wait and watch. But the current state is definitely sad.
0: Yeah, but uh, like you said, um, at the same time, there's some positive things happening, like some some sort of a mindset change is also happening. So in the end, I suppose, and I hope that the, the crypto world will become stronger and um, projects will see that it is far more important to, to build products than just uh, nice designed Pictures or, or something like that, and that marketing, exactly. yeah, and, and um, that uh, marketing should be considered very seriously, and not to focus that much on on hype, but on value providing. That's, that's
1: very true, and I think the transition is already happening, and I think that uh, the transition is already happening right now, and it'll increase as the day progresses, and uh, probably in the next five years or three to five years, we would start seeing. A much larger majority of the implementation starting to make more sense. Right now, still it's going to be minority. We can already see a lot of great deployments in conversation. A lot of even live deployments happening as beta or alpha. Uh, but it is moving mainstream slowly, and with time, because big businesses or big uh, products or projects don't get built overnight. You don't just jump somewhere and uh, spend uh, uh, overnight uh, to fork something and build something amazing. Anything that you want to build worthwhile takes time. And that time is right now.
0: Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. And uh, there is one serious problem that the crypto industry has, and it is the, the lack of patience. So uh, everyone wants uh, a great, amazingly secured and delivering product in um, a week or two or month or two. But like you said, it takes years. To, to build a sustainable product or service, even service, sometimes, for example, like neither Coca Cola or Apple has been uh, have been built in in months. It it took them like it took them many years to to become the these big empires that they are currently are. Right?
1: Exactly. Value creation is a process. It's not in a click of a button.
0: Yeah, and uh, at the same time. Uh, you need feedback from, from people to slowly develop something better and better. It takes sometimes a lot of feedback before you have uh, a product that is good enough for getting, um, let's say, more than uh, 10 or 20,000 people to, to use it.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the most important uh, part or the problem that you highlighted right now. We don't have those users in the blockchain space. Most of the games have investors. Most of the projects have investors, traders. They don't have users. And then who's going to test? Who's going to give feedback? Even when uh, there's a bug bounty program, the whole point is to get a bounty. And of course, people are doing the job. Sure, you're incentivizing them to find the problems and get paid from it. But the whole focus constantly goes towards some form of reward. What and uh, which is not wrong by itself but if that is the only thing that's happening there then it's lacking substance in a traditional world you launch a product beta testers come and they find bugs they report bugs they're part of the community not because they're getting anything for free not because they're getting some tokens or uh, gift cards but they do it because they want to use the product and they want the product to become better because it matters to them as a user, and. You don't have that here. And that will only happen when the uh, Web3 products are more usable the user experience is simpler and something that a Web2 user can adopt. It is not going to be the same as using a Web2 platform, but it should be like a Web2.5. They take a few steps forward. The Web3 simplifies by making things a little more easier for them. And we meet in the middle where the large billions of Web2 users can actually enter Web3 world. We speak about bankless people, the uh, those who are untapped by other markets. All of that is great but we already have so many millions and millions of users with mobile phones and computers and great internet connectivity. Why don't we bring them? Why are we trying to fight to an audience who do not have internet, who do not have computers, and who don't know how to do any of those things? There are much usable, ready-to-work with audience, and we should focus on that. Users are the key. And when users are there, everything is faster. There's more feedback. You know if something works or doesn't work. You build, you restructure. If something is wrong, you fix and you grow.
0: Absolutely. You can grow without getting feedback. And the issue that we are currently having, like you said, is that the audience mainly consists of speculators, not people that are investing in the product. Right. Let's move the conversation a little bit. to to the ICOs because I think that there are a lot of things that we can learn from from the past ICOs that you have done with with your company. You have been part of many um, ICOs and you have seen companies that are succeeding and failing after that. So what do you think makes the difference between these two types of, of companies?
1: I think a successful company is a company. It's not a fundraising campaign. And that's all the difference I see. Most of the ICOs, most of these projects, what is the team size? Two people, five people, and what, what is their work? Marketing members. How many members in that team are actually in the business side? So right now, you do see companies which are more serious. They have developers and they have marketers, but who is running the business? Where is the business in there? And that is the primary differentiator. Of course, that's not only for a company to be blamed. It's also the investors to be blamed as well. Uh, When we go and look at what investors are looking for, all that they see is, okay, is there a hype? Is that something that can sell? Uh, Can I speculate on it? Do they have bigger exchanges? They look at all of that. Uh, They look at partnerships and brands, but they never look at uh, the capability of the team to run a business and running a business is hard. There are hard choices to be made. A business decisions should be made based on future needs, the long-term needs of three years, five years, and not just three months. And those choices might not necessarily be liked by investors whose only objective is to, uh, you know, earn some money in the next few uh, months, but there needs to be patience, like you highlighted. So it's all coming back to the business and implementation. If a project is a success, uh, that success is also a proportional term. What does it mean for something to be successful? Is it is does it just mean it goes 100x stays there at 50x for uh, a year is that a success or is it the uh, is, it, is it users actually using something and driving more interest from the rest of the world towards it i think to me the usage, not only within the blockchain space, but also uh, attracting other businesses who are finding solutions from these products for their live use cases in their businesses, that's success. If a Web2 company comes and says, hey, I like to use this product because it solves my problem XYZ, it makes my business process better, how can I do it? And that is when the success actually starts. And until then, it is all a game. It's a game of uh, speculation. It's a game of building a technology because someone is passionate about building it. But unless someone
0: uses it, it's it's all worthless and uh, it's like a penny stock. Yeah, and it dies very fast. But you're uh, mentioning something very interesting to me because if I understand you right, it sounds like those investors, they have been looking more for hype-oriented to projects that are uh, user-oriented. Is this what you're saying?
1: Uh, Yes, you could definitely say this, because think about it. Uh, Let's go back by a few years. Let's look at uh, 2015, uh, let's talk about 2015, seven years back, not long back. Just go out and survey how many are investors. Do you find tens and thousands of investors like you find right now? Where did all these investors come from? Right now, someone with the $1,000 sitting in their bank account is an investor, which is fine, which is the whole point of blockchain. Now, anybody can invest, everybody can make money, which is all great. But then the they need to be also educated. It's about uh, being smart at making those choices. And uh, that is very important. So now, you have these investors who are gamblers than investors, what is the difference between a gambler and an investor? An investor? studies a product or a business or a market or an opportunity. He uses his logic. He thinks through the possibilities and then he decides what is the best thing that he should be doing. He has $1,000 with him is it best for him to keep $1,000 with him right now? Or should he go ahead and put it in a particular asset? Because of logic A, logic B, and logic C, he sees what should be doing it. That is an investor's thought process. But a gambler, he sees two things, he can put, he just speculates on putting some money here, some money there, and uh, sees what happens. And if it doesn't, he just takes the money out and puts in something else. That's blind gambling. And most of the people in the space right now are gamblers. And this is not a, just about individuals. A lot of VC funds are gamblers. A lot of uh, uh, even bigger brands do nothing more than gamble, which is very sad and uh, which is on one way hurting the the blockchain industry because now if investors, the one who are giving the money is only focused on that, then a lot of builders will start going towards that direction of creating exactly what they want. What do they want? Scams. They want uh, scams that could pump, scams that could make the money in the next few months and not really care about the business. So now people are incentivized to build scams, which is the worst thing that can happen to an industry at this stage.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the demand is uh, the reason of the creation. So if there is demand for pump and dump projects, there will be more pump and dump projects. That's absolutely. And you have somehow um, started a- uh, answering one of my next question, which is like, how do you think a person can do more investing rather than than gambling in crypto?
1: Okay, that's very simple. Just don't invest. You come into the crypto space or come into any industry, study the space. Study what has happened in the last uh, five years, seven years. Study the, uh, because investing is a skill. Investing is uh, not, it's a base of knowledge. It's, it's about knowing certain things. Learn that. They don't have to do it in the crypto space. They can learn it from the stock space. They can learn it from commodity space. They can learn how something happened in uh, 50 years before, uh, because investing has always existed. It's, it's like saying, um, I, I know how to breathe, but now I'm in crypto space, I'm gonna breathe differently. No, you don't breathe differently. You breathe the same way, you invest the same way, you use the same metrics. Of course, there might be a few ways the process is different, but it doesn't change the fundamental of what it is. They can spend three months to long, six months to long. And once they learn what it is, they can do paper trades. They see a great project. They're fully hyped. They want to jump into it right now. They want to put in the money right now. Well, put that in paper. Take a paper, write that you're investing $200 into this project right now. Follow the project as if you actually invested the $200. Follow through on it. Know what's happening and uh, go through the process and feel it. Know if you feel like you want to sell something or if you want to buy more. Notice your emotions. Notice what is going on in your mind and uh, go ahead and try to see if those active thoughts or those uh, feelings were right. If you do that, you would never FOMO once again. You would never ape in once again. It is important to jump on an opportunity. Every investor knows this. When you find an opportunity, it is very critically important that you grab it, you chase it, and you make it work. But the difference between that and FOMO is the application of the mind to judge an opportunity, judge a risk that is associated with it. Now, if someone comes to me and tells me, okay, hey, this is a great opportunity, uh, you can only put in $200 in it, I wouldn't think twice. That's okay. I mean, it's $200. It's it's more worth than me spending uh, the next 30 minutes of my time researching it. But if a person has only $500 in his uh, asset base, in his portfolio, and he has to put $200 out of that, he should probably spend a good amount of time thinking and understanding it. It depends on what is value uh, and uh, the relative value to time, the relative value to uh, the size of a person's portfolio, and which is exactly uh, the whole point here. Take through the process slowly. Understand yourself, understand the market, understand how the industry works. And when you understand all of those things, you are able to connect the dots effectively. And then get into investing. It could be six months from now, one year from now, but who cares? Businesses have existed for hundreds of years. Businesses will exist. New opportunities will come. There will be all of these great trends once again. Business has a cycle and these opportunities are not going to disappear today and tomorrow. So take it slow, but do it right.
0: Amazing, amazing. Uh, I think that this is one of the most extensive explanations of of this question. So thank you very much for that. We still have some listeners right now may decide to fast track it and start uh, as soon as possible. So maybe we can also help to to them and also to those that are somehow prepared, but still need some, some guidance. So what do you think, based on your experience and being part of that many ICOs, are the characteristics of a company or a project that is worth investing?
1: Okay, Just check their actual experience. If someone says that they are building uh, a particular business, see if they or someone in their business has that uh, background in that space. don't just look at their advisors. You can go hire an advisor at a low cost or by giving them some token deals, but just because someone is an advisor doesn't mean it is as good as a full-time member in the team or a founder doing it. So look for the actual team members who are qualified in running it. Look for their historical success or a pattern towards it. Do the study, do the hard work. Investing is a full-time job. Investing is hard work. It is just not putting the money. That's the last part. It's like signing uh, something off. But then there's a lot of work that goes before it. So go ahead, do those things. If you were to run a business, what would it take for you to do it? The right questions are the key to successful investing. So, when I'm investing in a project, I would go ahead and put myself in the shoe of that founder. Okay, I am right now starting this particular project. What do I need? Who do I need? How do I make this work? How can I come up with, uh, no, with the re- sufficient resources to make this a success? And then see if all of those things exist there. It's a common sense. It's not a magic. It's not a secret sauce. It's pure common sense. If you want to build something, you need the team. You need the money. You need the way to uh, communicate that. And you need these skills and commitment. So look, just look at that. If, if you see that the person's history doesn't show signs of commitment, that's a problem. If you see that the uh, tokenomics is structured in uh, weird ways, then that's a that's a red alert. Just make sure you look at all of those things and make your choice. There's no uh, one thing to look for, because that's the biggest lesson I learned from uh, all these product launches and launching all these companies. One thing... Can kill a company, but only one thing that can make a company successful doesn't exist. You need everything for a company to be successful, but one thing wrong is sufficient to kill it. Just think about it like a wheel on a cart or a car. If if the if a portion of the wheel is missing, then the car is going to go and uh, you know go go to a side and gonna fall off from somewhere. But if you only had one part of the wheel, it doesn't go anywhere, right? So. It the bigger question is, what is that one thing that's missing that can kill a project that I'm investing into? Rather than what is the one thing that it should have for it to work?
0: You're absolutely right about that. Investing in project a lot harder than what people expect. In most of the cases, investors are pretty lazy, and they base their their decisions on on the marketing that the project is doing, on what they have heard about it, on. What influencers are talking about the project, which, like you said, is not the best way to do it, without making your deep research. The only issue that I see in what you're saying is that in order to be able to uh, to put yourself in the shoes of the founder, uh, I believe that you should have a, some sort of um, experience in uh, building companies, projects, and things like that. Otherwise, it it may be very hard for for you to do that at the same time like you said if you make a deep check of of the team their concept idea their plans and things like that um, maybe you'll have uh, a clear picture of um, what is in front of the company and if there is a good chance for them to, to succeed
1: no, that, what what you're saying is absolutely true, and uh, the, that that's uh, that's a beauty of it. So if you go talk to some of the very large family offices, very large investment firms, they clearly say that they don't invest in something that they don't understand. Well, we can all laugh at them for uh, not understanding and uh, jumping onto new technologies, but. Uh, They are doing good. They are fine with what they're doing. They could be investing in something 20 years old uh, that is uh, pretty old or there's no technology in it, but their principles are good. They only invest in what they understand. Look at all these blockchain-based businesses. You don't have to have the experience of running a business, but try to understand that particular product. Are you a user of the product or do you know someone, your friends, people that Uh, you come across who might be a user for that? Can you at least think if someone is willing to pay for it, pay and buy it? If the answer is yes, talk to that person. Ask them uh, what they see because they're a user of a product. They don't, they don't need to be running a business for that. It's like a car. So now if you're buying a car, if you're investing into a company that produces a car, then would you buy this car? Would you buy something that's coming like this? Would you buy it at this price point? Or if you don't know, just find someone who would answer that. Uh, what does, What is important in a company like this? Uh, why would you buy this? And why would you not buy something that you're already owning right now? Just the right questions. Navigating from a user's perspective would also work. The point is, You can start digging through from any perspective as a user, as a business owner, as a member of uh, any entity and any perspective. The question is to start somewhere and dig deep to get to some logic around it, which will give some light into uh, what is existing and what is missing.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I just want to highlight one of the things that you are saying or maybe formulated in another way. Yeah. The quality of the questions process. that you ask regarding a project will somehow define the success of your future investments. So this right. is what I, I believe um, a lot of people are missing. They, they think that just by checking the, the website and the white paper is enough. But um, like you said, um, first, you have to answer a lot of questions by yourself or by asking the the team members if you have this opportunity or just by googling all that you can possibly find that can somehow answer your questions but first everything starts with the right questions except the fact that people are somehow making decisions based on just the website and somehow based on the white paper what do you think are the other most common mistakes that beginner investors are doing and how they can overcome them
1: I think if uh, if all that they can rely on is the website and white paper, there is not much you can do to uh, save them or help them. Uh, there, there could be third-party platforms who does their due diligence on their behalf and publish reports. They can read that, but then the question comes to whether you trust that platform. So, If any bigger VC is investing in a project, some of the times that uh, investment firm does publish a report, many times it's private, sometimes it's public in certain cases, and those reports are a good summary because they're done at due diligence and they wrote about it. Uh, but at the same time, like in free insurers, there are many entities who get paid for it and they go ahead and write something nice as well which happens quite a lot so it just it's just more challenging because you don't know whom to trust anymore everyone is trying to do good by what makes sense to them in which case their uh, interest is more in there than the uh, in interest of the entire industry or the other uh, people who might come in later so i don't think i have an easy way or an easy answer for them around it but uh, because the answer would again be, okay, then just jump in into what, uh, what looks uh, like a big hype and jump into uh, the website that looks fancy or a white paper that looks neatly formatted, nicely designed, things like that. But that is a shit advice. And if, if not that advice, I don't know what else to give, but to work hard when free money or easy money doesn't exist.
0: I I agree that it's not that easy to be actually an investor. And um, there are a lot of mistakes that are possible to happen in this career. So that's why probably one of the good uh, suggestions would be to not start with much and not invest more than you can afford to lose. And you mentioned something very interesting that I suppose uh, a lot of people haven't thought much about and it is that um, you can actually pay to a company to write a great report about your ICO that is coming, which can mislead a lot of people. We should be very careful which sources we are using when we are, when we are making our decisions. And except trusting such websites, what do you think we should be careful about? If That's you are, very true. Yeah. What else do you think we should be careful about if you are new to, to the Web3 investing space?
1: In the whole industry, the whole industry of uh, blockchain is about uh, permissionlessness and trustlessness, right? Uh, which ideally means you shouldn't be distrusting anything that's out there, irrespective of where it comes from and whom it comes from. So be careful about what you read online from whichever entity it is. Be careful about... Uh, what is said, verify the facts, be even just like reading a legal agreement. If you need to read through all the clauses, you need to read through uh, what is said, verify what is said, and go through it diligently. And that's the same thing. So uh, we just want a user to not just take anything that is said for granted, uh, but think through it. If someone says they have a big deal with some company, then please check if both the companies have spoken about it in their official platforms. Or is there an agreement or something that is uploaded? Is there uh, any conference or event where both of those companies have spoken about it? Is there some public record? Because anybody can say anything, but unless you know the fine print of it, you don't know what it is. Again, it all comes back to research
0: yeah uh, I think that this is one of the most common words used in in crypto, like researching. You always have to do your own research, right? This is the phrase which we with which we hear all the time. When I have been preparing for...
1: Even when you say uh, doing a research, uh, do your own research, it's important to know how to research. Researching is a skill. Just like investing, researching is a very important skill. If you want to learn how to lose weight, would you just go and uh, Google and take a YouTuber who is uh, randomly talking about it with the, you know, ra- randomly talking about something or would you find an expert who actually understands what it is who is qualified, who has done it there is a lot of people who are verified about it and someone that everyone trusts so even researching doesn't mean searching for the best advice on blockchain well just a website called bestadviceonblockchain.com would rank first for that and they could just put all the scams in there right so we need to know how to do a google search it goes back to mode learning. Now, not the less.
0: Yeah, it's also a skill to know how to do a proper research because I suppose that um, a lot of people have also researched FTX, but uh, now we see what was the result, right?
1: Well, I mean, see, the FTX is a whole different story because FTX is not like uh, these
0: other projects
1: without, sub, you know, with, which is an outright uh, problem. With FTX, a lot of things were not accessible to a common man. It is a regulated company. It is a private company. You don't see what's going on there. It is not like uh, full on-chain data. FTX is a much more complex example. And uh, most people even if they're good at research, would not have found what is happening there. That is an outright uh, criminal activity. And there's a difference between that and an ICO project who just puts up uh, uh, wrong claims and uh, tries to uh, raise some funds there. It's it's two different leagues, And I wouldn't really compare both uh, at the same level. And uh, yeah, there's there's a distinction there.
0: Yeah, um, I somehow agree with you. But at the same time, we know that it's, Almost impossible to, to know everything about the project, about the founders, exactly. and things like that. So there is always going to be a risk in, uh, in investing. But like you said, in FTX, it seems that the risk has been much bigger due to the much more missing information that a normal person, ordinary person, wouldn't have been able to find in, in internet
1: true sure. investment yes. comes with the risk at all times
0: absolutely risk reward ratio so <laughs> uh, uh, like uh, i was saying um, like i was going to say that uh, while i have been preparing for for the podcast today and i have been checking all the the great references about your your articles your bio and things like that i noticed something very interesting which grabbed my uh, my attention, and it is that you are practicing stoicism, right? Mm-hmm. So, I have
1: practiced it in the past, and it's, it's, it's definitely something that's of interest to me.
0: Yeah, uh, same here. So I don't know if uh, you are prepared to answer this question, but I'll give it a try. So how do you think that uh, stoicism can help you to become a better crypto investor? Have you thought about that?
1: Yes. So, ideally, uh, some of the things that I learned from from the practices is to have patience, is to endure certain pain for a better, it's a delayed gratification, and uh, you also learn how to look beyond just the surface of things. So I'm I'm not only talking about uh, this practice, but there are quite a lot of similar things. I learned similar things even from extreme sports, adventure sports, uh, like paragliding or uh, free diving or things like that. Uh, End of the day, it teaches us some base principles which will stop us from making these mistakes of uh, blindly jumping into things, giving into emotions, uh, not wanting to... uh, Wait uh, for something, or not wanting to put in the effort for a greater gain later. All these mistakes can be avoided, and uh, you know there's there are a lot of different practices around the world which can help with it. And this is uh, this. Uh, I I just think it's it's up to the person and what they learn from it. Like they say, whenever you read a book, you learn different things from the book. The next time you read it, you learn completely different sort of things based on your current life situation. So when you are in some practices uh, and uh, uh, when you uh, when you believe in something and when you, you practice it, you will keep harvesting fruits of that experience consistently only if you look for it. It's not an item in the task list to check, okay, today I did a practice. I, I, f- I followed uh, a couple of principles from this, but it's about uh, going ahead and uh, – Uh, retrospectively looking at what you learned what this practice teaches you uh, how does it apply in your life and uh, what can you do with it the right questions and right introspection
0: yeah we are again back to the idea that you need to ask the, the right questions before we finish I want to ask you one more thing which I suppose a lot of people are asking themselves because uh, there is also a lot of negativity going around crypto. So what actually makes you think that the future of crypto is bright?
1: What I see. I was in Jordan in the first week of November, speaking with the uh, the prime minister and the ministers there in Jordan and uh, uh, Sudan and uh, Palestine and a few other countries in the economic conference that they had there, I could see how, irrespective of what's happening here, irrespective of the fact that they might not necessarily like the cryptocurrencies like uh, all other countries out there, they still understand the power of blockchain as a technology. When I go to corporates and enterprises and speak to them, uh, very large companies, maybe they are. In the space from 20 to 100 years, very old and established companies, they understand that blockchain as a technology can help them. Uh, when we speak to bankers in the past, they used to just say, this is a scam. But right now, many bankers are able to differentiate and say, we don't like cryptocurrencies, but we like blockchain. We, we see how blockchain can make our lives better, how it can increase our uh, productivity and how it can reduce our cost. They are able to see it and they're able to use it. There are companies spending millions of dollars privately creating and investing their business processes and, and developing uh, something in the blockchain technology that aids them. The, This is happening right now. It's happening when the whole industry is in turmoil. And when I'm with these people, I don't hear them talk about FTX. I don't hear them talk about these problems because they don't care. How does this affect a blockchain? It doesn't.
0: You're absolutely right, my friend. People don't make the distinction between cryptocurrencies and blockchain. There is an issue with crypto. They tend to think that this is going to kill the the blockchain. But in the end, actually, cryptocurrencies are living on the blockchain. It's not the other way around. Even if someone kills cryptocurrencies, all cryptocurrencies, in the end, we will still have the blockchain.
1: And this is something that I t- tell someone who is um, who is always coming to me. You know, in, you know, in our fund, fund, our incubator, we look at companies and incubate them that we believe in for many years. And they ask, what is the one principle that you use to choose a company to incubate? And I just use a simple evaluation technique. I call it a Bitcoin zero evaluation. If Bitcoin were to go to zero right now, can this business still earn money, sustain itself and grow? is that token have any value when Bitcoin is at zero? If the answer to that is yes, if as a user, someone is still willing to pay for a token and buy a product or service from a website, when the whole speculation game is done, gone, thrown out of the window, when Bitcoin doesn't exist anymore, then that is a business that I like to incubate. That is a business that we like to work with. And that's a business that we want to build. If not, Sorry, this is not fitting into our uh, model of how we look at the world of blockchain.
0: Perfect, perfect. I think that great end for um, our conversation. Um, I think that if people start thinking the way you think about the, the projects that you're going to incubate and they use this information when they're deciding if they should invest on something or not, but they have to do proper research in order to answer the questions that you just mentioned. Somehow, maybe they look uh, very simple for answering, but in the end, it's not that case. Thank you very much, Mr. Key, for for being part of the episode. I think that it was uh, an amazing conversation. Sure thing. Likewise. Thank you so much. Amazing. Amazing. So um, if you want, um, can you share where people can find out more about you and your project
1: sure thing just check out our my linkedin uh, i would drop the links for you in the description as well uh, it has access to all my companies check out forwardprotocol.io, keydifferencemedia.com for the incubator and utopian.capital for our fund all the information is available there you can follow me on twitter instagram linkedin and uh, you would know everything that's
0: ongoing perfect perfect So thank you very much, Mr. Key, for being here. It was an amazing pleasure to to talk with you. And thank you very much to all of our listeners that have been listening to to this episode so far. Thank you very much. I truly appreciate you. And um, if you want to help the podcast to to grow, share it with your friends, share it with everyone that you know, because this is the, the way to spread this valuable information which amazing and valuable guests like Mr. Key are sharing with us. So thank you very much again, Mr. Key. Thank you very much to all listeners. I'm Paul, the CMO of Seasonal Tokens, and I'll see you on the next episode.